bum bum bottom 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 bum bum b
and I just didn't do it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That was the last time I was in Devon. <laughs> so but we got there in the end. So we got where, there in the end. Yeah, where, where did you end up proposing to your wife? In a far worse place. <laughs> uh, Brad, yeah. Brad proposed to me at the Kennedy Center, which is like a big, like in D.C., it's like the big place where they do concerts and operas and the whole okay. thing. Um, but yeah. it was after we had watched we had watched uh, uh, Mahler's Kindentoten Leader, where if you translate the German means songs for dead children. Yeah, but I didn't. I and didn't was, know that. And, and it was next to the bust of Kennedy's head, so our proposal <laughs> was very ominous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as, as I say, you get there in the end, don't you? Yeah. You it all works out. That's my wife's name is Jane. So yeah, so oh. give Jane a shout out. Yeah. Do, you, do you have kiddos? Do you have children? Yeah, I have two children, two girls. Uh, Nancy, who is uh, nine and a half, and Florence, who will be six, um, at the end of what month are we on? At the end of May. So. Are they artistically inclined? Oh, they are. Yeah. Uh, Nancy, from from a little, from from a really early age, um, we would just sit and draw together. Uh, and she, um, yeah, she, she, uh, 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 holding a pen. She's never held a pen, held a pen in like what you know. She's always had a great grip on the pen. She just drew, and, and and these amazing things would just come out of her. And just, and I think she was so much more advanced um, at, at her age. You know, and this is like I'm talking like from sort of like three onwards in terms of what she was she was drawing. It was like it was just blowing me away. And then Florence, we kind of didn't think Florence was going to be. That, that wasn't going to be her thing. Um, she wasn't really that interested because I didn't spend as much one-on-one -on -one time with, 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 with Florence because I was, when, when Florence came along, um, I, I, was, I kind of um, was, we, we did stuff with Nancy um, while my wife looked after Florence and, I, and so I, didn't have, I wasn't spending as much time with her in, in that way. Um, but then it just kind of came out of her. One day she just suddenly showed this drawing and we were like, oh, my word, Florence. And um, <laughs> yeah, and, and they both draw in quite different ways. Um, but yeah, they, they, they love it. They do, we do a lot of drawing in our house. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I've, I'm really impressed with your recent YouTube launch. Like, oh, right, okay, yeah. What inspired you to finally get onto that platform uh, and, and to do the types of shows that you're doing there. Right. So basically, um, uh, what inspired me was, <laughs> sadly, I, I do a lot of workshops in schools and libraries um, all over the country. And um, I work, um, so, so I do independent ones. So people uh, ask me to come into schools. I approach schools. Uh, I do a, um, I work in a secondary school. Uh, each week, uh, I do like a comics, uh, and comics and cartoon art kind of a little uh, class, um, and I, I, so I do a lot of stuff like that. And I do stuff with comic art festivals as well. And in fact, I actually came over to the states um, last year to um, a thing called NCS Fest, which was the first um, uh, comic art festival in America that was held in Huntington Beach in California. Uh, so that was the first time I'd done one abroad. So I, I do a lot of comic, um, a lot of workshops. And with the, um, uh, I don't know if you know that there's uh, something going on at the moment in the world. <laughs> none of us can go out of our houses anymore. Uh, and so literally all my workshops and school um, work just literally stopped um, for the next, well, six months at least, I would think. Um, and uh, in terms of the, the things that I know that I hadn't maybe even been booked for yet, but I know that, you know, with the summer holidays come along, with the Easter holidays, I tend to get approached by different places. Would you like to do a workshop and stuff like that? So I kind of have a rough idea of what what I might have been asked to do. And literally everything just went. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I need to do something. <laughs> because I've got children who regularly come to my workshops and I thought I need to somehow do something where I keep my presence online, uh, you know, my, my, my profile up. And, and I'd seen um, a, a cartoonist called Joe, Joe Woz, uh, who is American cartoonist who I met last year at the NCS Fest. Uh, and he, I think you guys are, you're about maybe two, three weeks ahead of us in terms of when you, how long have you been isolating or, or on lockdown kind of thing? Uh, uh, this we're, is, on, we're, we, start, we're going into week three. Week three, God. Yeah. Ah, right. So, so you guys are 
in, in line with us. So we're going to week three, but I think some parts of the States maybe are going to week five. Yeah, maybe. New York and Seattle and those places. Right. We're so, in a so suburb Joe, of DC. Joe's in, um, I think he's in Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, and, and so he had been talking online about getting things ready. And one of the things he was going to do was a YouTube channel. And somebody had said this to me on and off in the past, oh, you should do some of your workshop stuff online. And I thought, I haven't got time to do that. You know, I, I, I have a lot of stuff going on um, and uh, in and out of work. And um, I thought, I just haven't got time to do that. Um, but maybe one day. Uh, and so then Joe was doing that. And I thought, right, I think I need to do that. Everything was just stopped. And it was the week before the schools closed. So I thought, right, I need to um, get things in line. So I, I asked him a couple of questions, you know, how did you do it? Why did you do it on YouTube? And this, that, and the other. And my initial thought was to try and do it so I could get paid, uh, so I could do private classes, so that the children who sign up for my classes um, that I on the independent ones that I run, I could still do it with them. And, I, and that was proving to be a little bit tricky. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go on YouTube, set it up, and do it for free, and see if um, there's any interest, and maybe I can use um, uh, Kofi, which is like buy me a coffee kind of thing, and get some support from that. Um, and so literally, yeah, I just set it up um, because I wanted to not let everybody miss out on, on on the workshops that I was doing, and then see if I could broaden my reach with other other people. Well, they are the perfect length. Like, if you're going to set a child in front of the in front of the uh, monitor for a little bit of time, they're, like, 10 minutes or less, super accessible. Yes. You allow a lot of room for improvisation, which kids need. So I, I think they're really quite perfect. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, I'm so used to doing it. So it, 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 the the how to, how to go about, you know, pre, um, the actual... The, the the demonstration themselves that that was something that I didn't have to worry about suddenly though as we, I think we're all discovering um the situation we're in suddenly means all oh, right hang on a sec I've suddenly everyone's become got to become a technical expert right <laughs> so so suddenly I'm learning all right okay I want to do this uh all right well I need to make sure like the first the first one I did um so I do two a week that are live Wednesday um and Friday at two o'clock uh, UK time um, so I do two live a week and the first one I did I literally just went into that blindly uh, and I was up in my office where I am now and my wife was downstairs with the children um, and I said well you know um, you guys can watch it while I'm doing it and let me know you know um, hopefully that it'll be going okay and so we had every device still on right? <laughs> so we had my wife's computer my phone was on, my wife's <laughs> phone, and suddenly, about halfway through, I got this little message that just saying, oh, it's just re it's buffering or something like that. And I didn't really, you know, I saw it, but I thought, oh. And then suddenly, in the comments, people started saying, it's going funny, it's going, you know, it's, the picture's going off. And then my wife came up and, and poked her head through the door. She said, you keep cutting out. And I was like, oh, no. And then and then it all just went wrong. No. <laughs> And, and what we learned from that was you've got to have everything switched off apart mm -hmm. from the computer you're on. Yeah. And so we came back on the Friday, on the Wednesday, on, yeah, oh, sorry, on the Friday and did the second show, which is the the first live one that saved to YouTube because the other one, they saved, but it just, they were a bit of a mess because I had to stop it and then start it again. So I thought, get rid of those, put it on properly. Um, and so, yeah, we learned a huge um, learning curve there. But then even doing the overhead ones that I did, uh, the demonstration ones, the first one of those you might notice is slightly differently uh, filmed. Uh, and that's because my wife was stood on the bench that <laughs> I was sat on, leaning over me with the phone above me, <laughs> filming me from above. And, um, and we did that seven times because the battery died or the orientation was set wrong. And so every time it, it, it was set up, I see I'm holding my hand so I can sort of show you, I, I can't help but do it. <laughs> so it was set up, you know, like I'm, we're filming, but the minute you go overhead, the phone thought it was going back to portrait. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm a lot in the same boat as you because uh, 
my I do private piano lessons. So right. I've had to make all of my piano lessons remote. And so that means I have to reach a new technical level, but also my students' parents. <laughs> like I have to talk them through how to sign up for Skype and all of that stuff. But what we really want to get into is you have tremendous hustle. We found you on Cartoonist Kayfabe. You had sent yeah. in one of your packages. What what inspired you to do that? Because I'm sure you reached a whole new audience with that. Well, you know, it was funny because I, I, I've i known of Ed Pisco for quite a few years and I've been following him and he randomly started following me on Instagram, um, but um, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then um, I used to just keep seeing the, the name Cartoons Kayfabe pop, popping up on my Twitter um, and I hadn't really paid much attention to it. Uh, and then I started having a look, again, not even looking at the videos, but just looking at the tweets and stuff, and then discovered Jim Rugg, who's... So I knew of Ed's work and really liked it, but then discovered Ed, Ed, uh, Jim Rugg's work and really, really liked it and dis like, discovered Street Angel and yeah. stuff like that. And, and, I, and I suddenly thought, oh, right, yeah, I recognise that cover now because the, the fantastic image cover where all the line, the coloured lines are... Yeah, beautiful. ...lines behind. And it's such an amazing image. And um, so I then went and thought, I need to go and have a look at and see what this actually is. And then just started watching their shows. Um, and as my wife calls them, those two nerdy guys that are just talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I, as, as I'm sure you guys do, I find it fascinating, particularly when they do the overhead shots mm -hmm. and they go through a comic. And the, one of the, the particular one that I've really enjoyed was I'm a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan. Yes, me too. Yeah. And, um, you know, Bill Watson is one of my two all-time favourite uh, cartoonists. And um, they did a page-by-page a -page of, um, of a, a catalogue um, from, from an exhibition of his work. Uh, and and in that catalogue was stuff that I'd never seen before, um, and 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 so I um, yeah so I started watching that and then watched a few more and then just made contact with Jim on on Instagram. Uh, I sent him a photograph of um, I can't think whether it was um, I'm holding them up because I've got them here whether it was Spoo Kids or whether it was the Magnum comic, um, but I just said oh I've got these comics you might quite like and he sent me a message back saying um, yeah they look really cool. And so I said, oh, you know, uh, send me your address. Um, uh, would you mind if I sent you a, a couple of copies? And didn't realise that that's what people were doing on the show. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen the mailbag videos. Um, so I didn't realise that was what people were doing. So I, I think I said to you, so I didn't know the protocol. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that you address it to, to, to either Cartoonist Kayfabe or you address it to both of them. <laughs> um, because if you just address it to one... Um, there's a possibility that the other one um, might be um, might uh, feel a little bit left out. Yeah. <laughs> and so when um, so I I woke up one morning um, to discover somebody uh, said, "Oh, I found you. I saw your stuff on Cartoons Cafe." I was like, "Oh my god, it's actually been on," um, and it was buried in the middle of a of a big big video, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they, they suddenly just throw them on. But so Ed was quite quiet because I hadn't addressed them to him. No. <laughs> and, and Jim kind of went through them, but he, he he couldn't see that I had any contact details, which there were some the, on the back of Magnum. Um, my web address was on. For some reason, I didn't put it on Spook Kids, and I don't know why. Um, but what that did do was um, somebody made contact with me, and then and then I think I discovered you guys through. Um, my friend um, Pete uh, uh, Dory. Yeah. Uh, he posted that you um, that you liked his comic, and so whenever I see some cool people, um, I I latch onto them and, and then drop them a message. But I don't know if you remember, Brad. I we were in contact quite a few years ago. I do, yeah. Yeah, um, and so it's a whole different kind of world of comics that I was doing, and quite a different style. I'd kind of uh, come back into comics. It was, it was ten years since I came back to comics this year. Um, and um, I um, was doing a kind of a, quite a different kind of a style um, because I, I'm a graphic designer as well. Me and my wife have a graphic design company. Uh, and so I was kind of doing this kind of vector. I was kind of coming into the idea of doing comics again and kind of doing these like kind of vector characters. And then over the past 10 years, my hand-drawn style has then sort of come back in and now I'm fully 
you know, hand-drawn, um, traditional kind of way. Yeah, um, we, we connected originally because I think it was a man from space, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and so, you know, uh, you messaged us, or, or Lisa messaged you, I can't remember how it happens, and then suddenly I'm like, oh, Mark, is that Mark? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm kind of curious about that 10 year gap between uh, Man from Space and now. You, you, okay. you know, like uh, what what brought you back to comics and brought you back to doing comics in this fashion? And then, you know, you've got the YouTube going on. You've got Spoo Kids. You've got the new adventures of Magnum P.I. Yeah. No, I, so I so, yeah. So basically the past 10 years of me being coming back to it and, and coming back to comics uh, about 2008, so 12 years ago, I, I started buying some comics again, um, and um, I, um, which then sort of started to, you know, little ideas started bubbling away, and yeah, so 10 years ago, I started messing around and doing the Man from Space comic, and then really sort of um, 2012, we, we, we moved house, we got, uh, we had um, my youngest daughter, my eldest daughter Nancy at that point, and we, we moved back to my hometown, and I don't know what it was. I, I, I was just starting to, to 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 do different, you know, to think. I'm, I want to do more comics, and I want to do some more hand drawn stuff. And I started doing a few bits. And um, uh, David Lloyd um, from um, the artist on V for Vendetta. Oh yeah. He he just launched a thing called Aces Weekly. I don't know if you're familiar with Aces Weekly. No. So Aces Weekly is uh, Aces, it's acesweekly.co.uk is an online comics anthology and basically um, uh, it's each volume is seven uh, no six six creators and you and you get um, three pages a week oh, cool. for seven for seven weeks and you can subscribe to um, to a volume as as, as you wish uh, you don't have to subscribe to the whole thing you can buy volumes. You can buy back, back issues, and David's whole thing is, in his eyes, print print is dead. Mm. Oh, sad. And which is is sad, but, but, but I think the reason why, um, for him is because it's cutting out the middleman of the publisher. Mm. Yeah, he, he's not looking at it as as, as self, for self publishers. He's looking at it um, from in terms of dealing with big publishers who take a cut. Yeah. And he wanted to put it all in a way. It's kind of like image, really. It's an online image kind of setup where it's creator owned, and they they run the site, and then you get um a, um, a split of the the subscription of um the um uh, funds that have been raised on, on the volume that you've worked on. So it's all about promoting what you've done. So so it was all about that promotion, promotion. And I'd seen him doing this, and I approached him. With, with some really sort of um, not bad stuff, but I, I knew it wasn't the quality or, or the it wasn't necessarily the quality. It was my ability to um, to put a comic together the way it needed to be put together. Um, I kind of slipped a little bit. I don't know. It was just it was a bit of a combination of a few things. And so he said he said I think you know that your stuff isn't of the standard it perhaps should be. Hmm. And I kind of did, you know. I've I've learned a lot of things, and the biggest lesson is to, is to listen when you either get feedback or you ask for feedback. And and I asked for feedback a lot. Uh, sending, uh, you know, discovered all these creators that I I grew up um, with their work, um, and um, I, I discovered them all. They were all on Facebook and Twitter, and I would send my stuff to them and say, "Listen, do you want to have a look at this?" And some people were like, "Yeah, that's cool," and then some people would say. Well, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to say it's cool? Oh, God. Or, or do you want me to tell you what I think? And so you think, all oh, right, okay, well, <laughs> if, if I'm showing them my stuff and I am not doing this professionally at this point, there's no me, no point me being, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Defensive? Uh, yeah, precious about this. Yeah. Uh, I, if I want to do this, I need to listen because these guys are doing it and have done it and have been doing it for a long time. And one of those guys was a guy called uh, Hilary Barter. And Hilary um, has been working in comics since, oh, I don't know, the, the 80s at least. I, I discovered his stuff, uh, a, a Marvel comic called What The... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, and he used to do um, the Punisher spoofs, the Pulverizer and stuff like that. And he had this great style, particularly great use of shadow and stuff like that. Uh, but he, he, he also did um, Plastic Man for DC and... 
Um, and then more recently, SpongeBob and Garbage Pail Kids and stuff like that. And he, he's a really great guy, uh, but he uh, tells it like it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he he told me he 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 basically, in the nicest sense, uh, pulled apart some of my comics, uh, and 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 then uh, um, made me put them back together in, in, in a better way. That's and, awesome. It's like a masterclass. Yeah, he he you know he gave me his time and he just said you know I don't know why you're doing this and the one thing that, that I still to this day do that he said whenever you start a comic you want to I want to see where these characters are mm-hmm. I don't I don't want a close up I, I want to see where they are because um, when you're trying to get back into it and you're not you haven't been drawing comics regularly for quite some time. The last thing you want to draw is a lot of stuff. Mm. <laughs> but the more stuff you draw, even though it's going to take you longer and it feels harder, the better your comic's going to be. Because the more you show where everything is in terms of the characters, um, where are they, even if you're doing it in a simple style, if you show these two characters sat in a room um, on chairs with this and that happening, if you show it all, um, yeah, it's going to take you a little bit of the time when you first start, um, but you're you're grounding your characters in in a reality of of the, of the comic book story that you're creating, and and that's what he said to me. I want to see where they are, uh, and I want to see them drawn head to toe in most of the panels. These close ups are just a bit lazy, and so and every time I start a comic, I think about mm-hmm. that advice, and so every comic I do, you see where they are. And I draw everybody from head to toe as much as possible. I don't rely on close-ups. Sometimes I'll have a close-up, but only when I really think it's necessary. Um, and that advice led me to then rethinking how I did it and doing all these different comic strips with all these different ideas and approaching my... Um, I discovered that there was um, a local paper in my hometown. And when I... It was a community newspaper, but it was really... Um, very um, uh, arts focused, so I, I dropped the editor a, a message and just said, "Listen, I'm local in this in, in the town. Uh, I'm I, I'm a cartoonist, and would you be interested in uh, the fact that I'm making this comic that I'm self-publishing?" Which he was, which then led to me saying, um, "Might you be interested in running a comic strip in your paper?" Which newspapers, particularly over here, and I don't know how it is in the states, but they just don't commission comic yeah. strips, particularly local newspapers. But he went, I can't pay you much. It'll be probably like an insult, he said, but if you're willing to do it for that amount, I'll run a comic strip. every. The, the newspaper came out every two weeks. So I was doing two two strips a week, uh, two strips a month. And that's incredible. Um, uh, 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 just in terms of turning those around, it's a, it's a great work ethic of going, okay, I'm now, I'm now doing two comic strips a month. Uh, and so I have to come up with ideas and I have to do, you know, I have to write and draw these. And it, it, it's all great experience for what we're all aspiring to of getting that, that, that published job. Uh, and the same way with self-publishing, um, I always give myself a deadline with any of the comics that I do. Um, and because ultimately you want to be able to turn something around if somebody came to you and said, I need that doing in, in two weeks. And if you go, oh, no, these take me eight months to do, then they're going to go, all right, well, I'll go and find somebody else who can mm. do it then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so I always give myself a deadline. Um, and, and so, um, and so basically what I did is I built up this, this backlog of, of comic strips. And then I went back to David Lloyd and said, listen, I don't know if you remember me, but two years ago, I, I, I approached you. I said, but I just thought I'd send you some stuff that I did. And he came back and went, I love this. He yeah. said, this is great. I see you've listened, you've gone off. You've made comics, basically. Mm. And um, so I got um, a comic in, in Aces Weekly. I've had a number of comics in there now. Um, uh, uh, first one was called Duckless, uh, about a duck uh, that goes on adventures. And then uh, the most um, recent and the most successful, in my opinion, was, uh, I'll hold it up to you, is uh, Goons of the Galaxy. Oh, which, fun. Yeah, which is my, which basically takes all the elements, Brad, of what I was starting to do with Man mm. From Space throw away all the bits that didn't work, take on board that I'm now drawing by hand, uh, or, well, 
slightly in this one, slightly differently. It's all it's all vector. I was drawing with a mouse at this point, mm. um, like a pen, huh. um, and and that and that took all the ideas that I liked about Man from Space and repackaged it in this sort of cooler kind of idea. And 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 so four, I did four issues of that for Goons of the, for Aces Weekly, and then and then did it released it in print as a as a, a hardback kind of or you know with oh, a spine. Cool. And um, uh, yeah, and uh, and then please stop me if you want to. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. <laughs> but yeah, and, and then so I um, and so he he gave me that opportunity. So I got the newspaper. I've got Aces Weekly. And then I approached, have you heard of the Beano? Do you know what the Beano is? Yeah. No, I don't. So the Beano is the world's longest running comic, 1938. It, it, it came out. And the Beano is basically, uh, so you have Dennis the Menace. Your Dennis the Menace has blonde hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our Dennis the Menace has spiky black hair. Just one oh, second, let me. Yeah. yeah, go get it. Yeah, so this is so this is the Beano. Oh, I've seen, all right, I have seen that, yes. Yeah. So, so the, that, that's Dennis the Menace. Yeah. And then, and that is his dog, Nasha. Oh my goodness. Right. And so I, I, I'd sent um, around about sort of maybe around the 2012 time, I sent a few emails to the Beano. I got an, um, uh, a contact uh, from my friend and fellow cartoonist, a guy called Lou Stringer. Whose work I used to follow when I was twelve. He used to do um, so. Uh, Marvel uh, UK used to reprint uh, Transformers comics, oh, yeah. um, the American Transformers comics over here, and also they also used to employ some uh, British talent to to do other comic uh, stories for the Transformers. Uh, and Lou used to do a little four panel strip each week in that issue, in the, in those comics um, that I used to, was the first thing that I would read. Because he was drawing comics the way I thought when I was twelve. That's the kind of style I like. That's what I'm gonna. I want to do. Um, and I was fascinated by the fact that these little strips were in there. So anyway, Lou. Lou. Uh, I then made contact with Lou, and he's been in a great contact for me. And and he gave me the uh, the email address of the editor at the uh, one of the editors at the Beano. And so I emailed them, and they sent me a rejection letter saying, you know, thank you for sending your stuff, but your your work isn't quite right for what we're looking for. But what that did, it got me on their mailing list um, uh, for other car- uh, cartoonists. And every six months, they would send out an email um, saying um, they're looking for new comic strips or either brand new stuff, brand new characters, or um, new ideas for existing characters. And I ended up on this mailing list, which was you know pretty cool. And so I sent something off one to one time and, and heard nothing back and then six months later that would happen again and this particular time I was armed with all these comic strips from the newspaper and Aces Weekly and I'd done this other little comic strip uh, called Lenny the Lettuce <laughs> which was kind of like my idea of, uh, of a Spongebob kind of character um, and um, and also a character that I thought would be uh, goofy enough to go into the Beano and, mm-hmm. and, and be just sort of daft uh, humour that the, the, the children would really like. So I sent off all these strips, and then two weeks later I got an email on the on the day when I um, was thinking, I never heard back from the Beano. Oh, obviously they weren't interested. So that very day um, I got an email from them saying uh, it's, it, it's, it's no to everything else, but it's yes to Lenny the Letters. <laughs> And so they, and so that was my, so I'd gone from, so my, my first published work was in the paper, then Aces Weekly, and then, and then the Beano, the, the biggest comic, children's comic in British history. Awesome. <laughs> it was insane. And, and they commissioned nine strips with that character. And then the year afterwards, I got the same kind of email and um, they commissioned uh, 15 for another character called Dog Detective. Um, which was a detective, a dog that was a detective, <laughs> um, and then, and so, and that was amazing. You know, I was in the Beano. It, it, it was like, you know, obviously, if somebody said, "Would you like to be in the Beano?" I would have said yes, but I never thought I was actually going to get in the Beano. Sure, <laughs> dreams coming true. You know, like the thing that I I take away from that is, you know, the the idea that you have to be open to criticism and criticism that can be painful. 
And that's something that I've always struggled with. You know, you got to put your ego in check. Like, can you just talk a little bit about how you were able to go like, okay, tear my stuff apart, show me what I'm doing wrong and not like go to bed at night crying? (laughs) Well, because I mean, there were tears, Brian, (laughs) but um, because I wanted to do it. Mm. And I thought, what's the point of me going, oh, no, I know better than Hilary Barter, who's been making comics since the 80s. Mm. I know better than him. What does he know? Um, and, and to be honest, some of the things he said were his personal taste because I ran around, I asked somebody else because, uh, you know, and they were like, well, I would say that's personal taste. But uh, uh, and so some of the things I, I did not listen to, but I didn't get too hung up on. But the, the, the things about establishing characters and where they are, were, were vital. If I hadn't have listened to him then, um, I, I don't know, maybe the things that have happened wouldn't have happened. Mm. Um, and, and, and going to back to Bill Waterson, Calvin and Hobbes, I was reading one of my collections, um, the, the anniversary one, where Bill Waterson talks about his process. And he said he would make himself draw things that he found hard to draw because those things made the stories... And the, and the comics more interesting. Mm. And it's really easy to draw what you want to do. Um, but if you draw things that not necessarily aren't what you want to draw, although that might happen because somebody might ask you to do something, you think, well, I didn't particularly want to draw that. But if I do commissions for somebody, uh, like family commissions, sometimes I'm drawing things you know, that, that aren't necessarily of my interest. But that's what somebody wants me to do. So if I want to get paid to do this as my job, then I have to take that. I do have to, I, I do it. Um, and so you can't be, you can't go, oh no, I, I only do this because then you're not going to get that. Mm. <laughs> you, and, and you'll never, I wanted to get to this point as quickly as possible because um, me doing this was indulging myself a little bit. And, um, and I had a young family and my time was precious and I had to be showing my wife that this was something that actually could lead somewhere. It wasn't just me going, oh, yeah, I'm just messing around making comics. You know, in order to to, to take to put my time into this, um, it needed to have an end result, and that needed to be a positive one. And I knew that I could do this. I knew if I listened to this feedback that I could take that on board and learn how to put a comic together. And I know, and I, and it and it came quite quickly. I somebody came to me, Mark, the Beano came to me and said, Mark, we need nine of these. And I didn't. And part of me was like, oh, but then that didn't last long. It was like, <laughs> oh, right, okay, I've got to do nine of these, and I've got to write the scripts for them. I've got to fire them off to the editor. The editor's going to come back to me and make some little um, typo corrections, spelling mistakes, maybe tweak it slightly. And then I've got to go, right, and now I've got to draw it, and I've got to send it to them, and they go, yeah, this is great. And if I hadn't listened to those that criticism, I wouldn't have got where I've got now as quickly, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, Mark, I have found this conversation so inspirational and so ah. invaluable. We know we we've, we have to have this guy back on, Brad. Yes, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely wonderful, but we know ah. you have to have your tea. It's tea oh, time. Well, so we, you know, we've got, I've, got, I've got five minutes if you've got them, but it's up to you. <laughs> so um, you mentioned early in our conversation that Bill Watterson was one of your major influences, and you said yes. that there was a second one. So who is the second one? Oh, well, uh, the maestro, Sergio Aragones. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and I was honored, honored to, to not only meet Sergio um, three years ago, but uh, I got to work with him. Um the Lakes International Comic Art Festival, um, which takes place every October uh, in a place called the Lake District in the UK. Um, I have been working with them for the past five years. And in fact, um, after me setting up the YouTube channel, the amazing Julie Tate, who is the festival director, uh, contacted me and said, Mark, um, I'd like to support this. Uh, and she she gave me a little bit of a, 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 a financial support just to get things going. Uh, she was incredible, um, and I, um, my second year at that event, I got a chance, uh, all, basically, um, all or a huge chunk of the guys from MAD all came over to the UK 
uh, Sergio and uh, um, uh, Steve McGarry, who uh, is was the president of the National Cartoon Society over in the States. Uh, his son Luke McGarry. I don't know if you know Luke. Mm. You should look him up if if you don't on Instagram. He does really great comics. And loads of other guys. Uh, Tom Richmond from Mag Magazine, who does all the um, the TV and film spoofs. Um, they all came over, and I got to meet these guys and work with them because I, I basically ran two days of um, drawing workshops where uh, comic artists would drop in over the course of the festival weekend and do um, uh, little one-hour kind of little sessions. And the opening of the festival was uh, I don't uh, Sergio at uh, 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 San Diego Comic Con always does a quick draw. I think on the first night or yeah. one of the nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, uh, he draws live with a load of other cartoonists, and they wanted to do that at, the, at this festival. So the opening of the festival involved um, Sergio and um, a couple of other cartoonists who were there the whole time, and then a few guests. And Julie from the festivals asked me, um, "Mark, would you like to to come on and do like you know ten minutes oh, uh, where you where you draw on stage, and Sergio will be there." And I was like, yes, <laughs> that would be amazing. So I did that, and which was just insane. So I was sat here and Sergio was to my left. And so I met him just before. And so it was a huge honor. And then the next day he came and um, he, he ran one of the little workshops with me. Uh, and I got to, to work with him and got to talk with him over the weekend. Um, and he gave me, oh, I haven't got it here, but he gave me a little badge um, a little Sergio Aragones uh, pin badge, uh, and, he, and he looked at me. He said, um, "These are just for friends." And I was like, "Okay, thank you, Sergio." <laughs> it was it was incredible, um, and you know, his work has been a huge influence on me. Oh man, that's amazing! Such a good story. What a great moment. Uh, it really was. So, Mark, for our listeners. You know, yes. who, who are, are now Mark Jackson fans. Madly in love uh, with you. Yeah. Where where can they find you online? Remind us again about the YouTube channel. Uh, we we want to hunt down all your comics. Okay, yeah. So if you uh, if you go to um, uh, markmakescomics.co.uk, that, that's Mark with a C, M-A-R-C, um, that's where I have my store where you can buy my comics from. Uh, and then if you find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as Mark Makes Comics again, so M-A-R-C, uh, Mark Makes Comics. Uh, I'm on all the social media. And then if you search me on YouTube as Mark Makes Comics, uh, I come up uh, there as well. So, yeah. Um, uh, but then, obviously, I on, on, on the covers of my comics, I'm Mark Jackson. But my kind of brand name, I've always just gone with Mark Makes Comics. So, um, yeah, but you can find me that way. Well, when conventions are happening again, <laughs> and if you're ever on the East Coast, we should totally hang. Oh yeah, definitely. No, I would love to. I, I think um, I I, um, I also organised one myself um, in my hometown called MacPow. So I live in a place called Macclesfield, uh, and so yeah, I organised one called MacPow, and um, that that happens uh, every every year at the end of June, uh, and this year would have been our fifth year, but sadly um, mm. due to the situation, I made the decision about three weeks ago. Uh, to postpone it till next year mm-hmm. um so uh, it was going to be our best year in fact joe joe Foz, who i mentioned at the start he was going to be our first u.s guest coming over oh. um and we've got people like um uh, charlie adlard from walking oh, dad yeah. um uh, sean phillips who, who oh. i've got to know um over the past four years because the, he's a big part of the, the lakes festival as is charlie and um, so I, I hung out with charlie in america last year and then he also uh, lent his name and support to another comic festival here in the UK uh, that took place last year. So I had a huge year like last year where I, I went to America and went to lots and lots of comic car festivals, uh, and uh, as well as having mine. And then this this year, it's just tumbleweed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We feel that pain. We feel that pain. Yeah. But you but know, if you, if you guys ever come over to the UK, you should you should come around sort of October, November time because the two best comic art festivals take place then and they are the Lakes Comic Art Festival, again, who I mentioned earlier, and one called Thought Bubble which takes place in yeah. in November and if you were going to come to the UK to comic events, I would come 
mid mid October and stay stay for a month. Yeah, and, and, and do thought bubble as well. So that's my recommendation to you guys. Well, we want to do that because uh, Lisa's never been to England, and we've been talking about our next overseas trip going uh, to the UK. So yeah. that's that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously, they they get some really big names, and they with them being festivals, they're very European uh, model. Um, so they they don't just take place in big convention centres. They spill into the town as well, and they have a lot of um, programs with with schools, outreach kind of programs where they work with schools on the run up to them as well. Um, so it, it's not just something that happens on one day. It, okay. It's a it's a big thing, and they get some amazing guests at both of those events. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the ones to look out for. <laughs> yes, you've sold us. You've sold us. Uh, and maybe, and maybe come to mine as well one one year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast uh, today. We really appreciate it. We want to do more uh, sort of these creator corners. We want to have more interviews. We definitely want you back on the show. Uh, oh, thanks so nice. much. Thank All you. right, take care, guys. So great to talk to you. And keep up the great work. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Take care. All right. Take care. Say well. I still don't understand why they call their evening meal tea. <laughs> you're going all the way back to the beginning of the conversation. It just sounds like a lie to me because, <laughs> like, you're saying, oh, we're just going to have, it's tea time. We're going to have some tea. And then you sit and you have, like, a full meal. But, Lisa, tea in English culture is something I don't think Americans can understand at all. I mean, it is baked into their DNA. Is it a lighter meal? I have no Are they idea. having a roast? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what I really love about this conversation is that he's inspired by the comic strip mm. as an art form. Growing up, I didn't read comic books. I didn't go to the grocery store or the comic book store, but I read the funnies out of Washington Post literally every day. I knew what was going on in for better for worse. I was emotionally invested in pickles. Yeah, I was the opposite. I didn't, I still, to this day, I still really don't like uh, the idea of the comic strip. I'm, I'm breaking those walls down here and there, and people like Mark Jackson are helping me do that. But it's, that's an art form that I did not uh, grow up in in, in in any way. I'm pretty sure my entire vocabulary came from reading Calvin and Hobbes. And also... My kind of twisted sense of humor. Yeah, and that's really where I should go back because I haven't read much Calvin and Hobbes at all and you are obsessed with them and so is Mark. We would flop, like they they would make um, like soft cover versions of comic strip books and we would flop those over our lap and that would be our evening bedtime story. That would, feels very merrier to me. It is extraordinarily merrier. Yeah. And then... Um, one of my last Christmases that I lived at home, I gave my parents like the big tome of oh, Calvin yeah. and Hobbes. Yeah, those Barnes and Noble beasts. They're impossible to read because they're enormous, but it meant so much to us. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to get into Calvin and Hobbes. He also mentioned Gru, and I, I am a fan of Gru, and I have ordered some Beano comics since this oh, conversation fun. also. So I'm looking forward to those arriving in the mail. Uh, Guys, you know, we started this conversation talking about all those comic book conventions that have been uh, canceled left and right. WonderCon is not happening this weekend, but the hashtag WonderCon online is occurring. Mm -hmm. So click on that hashtag and go discover some artists. Wander down that artist alley and buy some prints. We already have. We have. Yes, for sure. And visit Mark Jackson over at his YouTube page. Head on over to his website. Uh, You should certainly be following him on his Instagram Uh, As of this Friday, he launched a new comic called Bring the Ninja. And every Friday, he's going to drop five panels on his Instagram. It's super cute. I love it. Of course, Ninja Comics. Who doesn't love Ninja Comics, Lisa? No one. A fool would not love Ninja Comics. That's right. Uh, If you are enjoying these Creator Corners, guess what? We've got some good news for you. Because we already have another one on the way. And this one is Major Gang. I'm almost wary of even mentioning the artist on this episode because technically we haven't had the conversation yet. We're going to do that tomorrow morning on Saturday, but I'm confident that it's going to happen. I have his phone number. Lisa and I are talking to drum roll, Lisa drum roll. I want a drum roll. Stephen Bissett. 
the artist of Saga of the Swamp Thing, which we covered several couples back. It's one of our all-time favorite comics, period. Literally the sexiest scene in all of the comics we've read so far with that the eating of the tuber. Yeah, bite that tuber. Mm, put I, that tuber in your mouth. I, 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 I cannot believe that Mr. Bissett has agreed to come on the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. Uh, I'm I'm incredibly excited about that. How are we going to sleep tonight? It's like the day before Christmas. I am legitimately nervous. But next week, we're returning to our regularly scheduled program discussing Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, and we're using the series Welcome to Metropolis, written by Carl Kessel and illustrated by Rachel and Terry Dodson. And Lisa, we've got a new relationship guru. We've gotten rid of Ben Schwartz and Laura Moses. Uh, apologies to them. But our new relationship guru will be sex advice columnist, author Lindsay King Miller, using her book, Ask a Queer Chick, a guide to sex, love, and life for girls who dig girls. Yeah. Okay, so we know where to find Mark Jackson, but Lisa, where can our listeners find you and send their words of affirmation? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget, you can email the podcast by writing to CBCC Podcast. We want to hear from you. We want your cues. We want your A's. Bring them. We want your insight. Yes. And Brad. Hmm. Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? You can find us on all social medias at MouthDork. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We need your reviews. We want your reviews. Oh, and guess what, gang? We're on Stitcher, too. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, we're on, uh, what's that Alexis uh, thing, Tune In? We're on Tune In now. Wait, you can tune in. You can tune in. So uh, leave your reviews there. My dad told me that he left a review on Stitcher for us. That's so sweet. So, Thanks, Greg. Yeah, so my dad's doing his part. Are you doing your part? Come on, we need it. And you can commit to this podcast by following us on Instagram and Twitter at CBCC Podcast. Until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. Doopy doopy. <laughs>